Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. One. One, two. Check me out right here, yo. Dangerous, on Trizac, DJ West, Trizac, Trizac, Trizac. 
Hey, you guys, welcome to an all new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your buddy Ryan, and this is your Tuesday episode. Uh, as you can hear, I'm still not doing great. I have uh, I've slept so much. I had a tiny fever, and I think I finally broke that. Um, and uh, I am pretty loopy right now, but I have an all new amazing interview that I recorded this past Thursday that I am so excited to put out. Now, of course, I wish I could do all these like Bravo and pop culture news stories on top of it because there is so many things that I'm fascinated in. I mean, did you see this thing about the Titanic, the people submerging in the tiny six person submarine and they've lost the submarine and they only have oxygen for the next like 72 hours? I mean, I it's wild. So I, I need to talk about that when I feel better. There was just so many things going on. I finally got to catch up with Real Housewives of Atlanta. I still don't like it. <laughs> Summer House Martha's Vineyard, I think, is still excellent. But there are so many things that I want to talk about. So my voice is just not going to be able to do that right now. So we're going to cut right to the interview. But I want you guys to listen to this because uh, our guest today uh, is Laura Belgray. And I go into everything that she's done uh, in the intro when I introduce her. But she has a book that just came out this past week called Tough Titties. And I read the entire book last week. And I truly geeked out on it. I, I, I think I mentioned this a couple times during the interview is that it was one of those books that I, I was like, wow, there's a reason why I'm reading this right now. I thought the story was very inspiring. But also, Laura, uh, to me, was just very, very funny. And we talk about her book. We talk about what that's all about. But we also talk about Real Housewives of New York because she's a huge fan. We talk about Vanderpump Rules. We talk about Bethany Frankel on social media. There are so many little gold nuggets in this interview. And, uh, you know, things like this, especially when you're talking about Vanderpump Rules nonstop for three months, it is so nice to start coming back to earth a little bit and talk to really talented people uh, that inspire you and kind of open up your mind to new ideas. And I left that interview thinking like, oh my gosh, I want I want to be friends with Laura. Laura is a great person. And I think you guys are going to think she's a great person as well. Highly recommend her book. I'm going to stop talking right now because my voice hurts, but I wanted to put this out today. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, I know you're potentially back at work this week because it was a three-day weekend. So I hope the work week is starting gently for you. And I hope to be able to speak to you on Wednesday. I hope I'm feeling better. And just have a great rest of your week. And here she is, Laura Belgray. Uh, we have been so lucky lately to talk to authors, journalists. And I, I, I remind you guys that my love of pop culture, it really started with uh, my love of books. When I was a kid, I would just read as much as possible. And it kind of opened up a world for me in a tiny town in Kansas that I didn't know existed. Um, and I love hearing people's origin stories. Um, and today we have somebody that uh, they just released their first book this week. So even before you guys know this is a trusted brand, I wouldn't put somebody on here that you wouldn't love. Um, so right immediately, I need you to go to Amazon or just go down to your local uh, bookshop. And there's a new book with the best title called Tough Titties on living your best life when you're the effing worst. Um, our guest name is Laura Belgray, and she is absolutely astounding. I was doing research on her. Now, she is a founder of uh, a, a company called Talking Shrimp, which uh, is uh, kind of helps 
people with their copywriting. She's an award-winning copywriting expert. She got her start in TV, uh, writing magazine articles, but she helps entrepreneurs find the perfect words to express and sell what they do in the way that helps them get paid for themselves. Now, personally, I was reading this and I know I have like 97% a female audience, but as a white cis uh, straight, privileged male. I got to tell you, it was one of those things I was reading that inspired me as I went along. I mean, even in the intro, I've been talking about this lately. Um, just, uh, she says, uh, I, you know, not that I consider myself an influencer. I'm too old for that now. I've graduated to thought leader. Um, you're never allowed to call yourself either of those things, by the way, but other people can. Just like in acting where the stages for a woman are ingenue, mom, district attorney, the online phases are influencer, thought leader, sea hag. And then she says, this book, it's for you if you've ever tanked relationships or sabotaged your career because something in you recoiled from success or being a responsibly fully developed human. If you say unpopular opinion at the start of a post you hope will be wildly popular. If you want to be your authentic, unselfconscious, live out loud self, but catch yourself kissing the ass of someone you don't like or fake laughing too loud than thinking about it all day, whether everyone noticed is now discussing it and is taking turns reenacting it at a secret party you're not invited to. It's for you if you hate follow old nemesis online, hoping they get enormously jealous of you. If you've ever measured your worth by how many bartenders found you sexually attractive enough to let you do something sexually with them. You've ever joined a cringy self-help thing where you felt very much not yourself, or you wake up with your mind racing about everything you should be doing, but you know you probably won't do any of it. Now, this is a person we're about to talk to who found their groove later in life, just like I feel like I'm finding my groove later in life. So this is just so inspiring. This book also is laugh out loud funny. I mean, literally, I was, I, I hate, I'm not even, uh, be, I really laughed out loud. So enough of my blabbing. Laura Belgray, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, thank you. That is the greatest introduction I have ever had on any podcast. Well, so. we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next time, Laura. Have a good day and congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yep, day made. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> thank um, you for having me. Yes. Uh, and by the way, I want to also remind the audience, she name drops Bravo shows multiple times in this book. She she bought a million dollar listing in this book. She bought, <laughs> uh, You are kind of a Bravo pop culture fan yourself. I am. Do you know what? I own the URL Bravo Sexual, which I've never done anything with. I've just been Wait. sitting on it. It's how I identify sexually. <laughs> Wait, by the way, you make a point of saying you just recently in the last couple of years hit million dollar status, which is just unheard of. But I think you could hit two million dollar status if you sell mm -hmm. bravosexual.com. That is money in the bank. I'm waiting for an offer. The right <laughs> offer. I'll give you a hundred bucks <laughs> right now. No, um, before we get into anything, I just got to say congratulations. Like from, you know, you've been a professional for a long time, but what does it feel having released your first book this week? Like that's something that will always be there for the test of time. Yeah, it feels pretty awesome and overwhelming and exhausting. I mean, there's just so much um, going on at once and also the pressure to like post about every single thing on social media. And now I'm starting to understand because like, because I've been in the spotlight, at least in my world um, this week, I'm starting to understand why the celebrities that I, you know, try to DM and uh, um, story and repost and oh, kiss their ass a little bit 
And now I understand why they're so abrupt uh, in terms <laughs> in their in their answers to me. Just like thank you or a heart. I'm like that's it. Just a heart. <laughs> <laughs> Laura, I'm so, I'm such a mess. I can't even open most of my DMs. Cause like, then I want to get into it with people and all that. And then if you do the heart, it feels like completely impersonal, but it you have to, it's really hard, hard and prayer hands. The, the thank you hands. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. Like you, you get to middle age and you're learning how to use emojis at a certain point. And I mean, what's the effective way you're a professional. What's the effective way to use an emoji in your line of work? Oh. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, that's to me is the most effective way is <laughs> as an inadequate response to somebody's very generous post. Um, and but also, I spend so long like fiddling with emojis, also gifts. I, where to at the point where I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I just spent 15 <laughs> minutes trying to access or find a chef's kiss emoji. Like, how do you make chef's kiss? And like, do you make it, do you cobble it together out of like, okay hands? And well, I, I couldn't find it for the, I'm like, do I have to uh, update my emojis, et cetera? And then the day was done. Like I just yes. wasted my entire life on my deathbed. It's like she spent too long looking for the right emoji. That's, then- that's what's going to be on my tombstone. I, would, I hope there is an emoji on the tombstone after you say the emoji <laughs> thing. Um, just kiss. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know, you've gone through these stages of your career that the book takes us through, you know, where, you know, like, I mean, I remember Spy Magazine, you know, like you got your first thing doing a doer's, uh, you know, print, and then you went to like Nick at Night, like TV descriptions, and it kind of led you to finding copywriting, um, you know, was there ever a time in your life where something has felt like this is the right path or have you bumped and stumbled throughout your career and you're like, this is where the direction of the water took us? Yeah. I think when I started writing promos for TV, that's when I first felt that feeling of, I have my dream job. It's finally all coming together. Like this was, and I was there for way too long to the point where I was past complacent and past the age, which where I had made a pact with people. Like if I'm ever still doing this at that age, let shoot me or we'll shoot each other. Um, and then we reach that age. We're like, Oh, maybe we should, you know, kick the can down the road a little bit before shooting each other. Um, but like when I first started doing it and for several years, it's like, this is my ultimate dream job. I was getting paid to watch a bunch of TV and write little things like the commercials yeah. for the shows that go in during the commercials and short of, just getting paid to watch TV, which that was the first dream. That's the ultimate dream right there. It's like, or I watch a whole bunch of Real Housewives of New York, um, or well, in the past, or rewatch the like season four, Scary Island. And then someone writes me a check, hands it to me and says, keep up the good work. There's plenty more where this came from. Just keep watching TV. That's it. I mean, I mean, in a sense, that's what we've been doing all our lives anyways, is just you probably in writing those things in your head before you ever got paid to do any of it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it it wasn't that effortless, but yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, just like you're, yeah. you're, that was always where your interest was. And yeah, I think a 100%. lot of us have those kind of thoughts in our head, but we never actually get the... Um, we never give ourselves the permission to actually try to do these things or like potentially that these could be careers and yeah. you've made such an amazing career of it. 
And then you started inspiring other people and showing people the right way to do these things. When you were growing up, I mean, I was reading your origin story. There's no way that you ever would have thought that you would be here today. And I don't mean on this podcast, but uh, the release of your first book. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I mean, I thought about writing a book at various points in my life. And especially when I was younger, meaning like, 10, 11, and had, <laughs> had no idea that my writing was garbage. You know, I was writing like a novel, which was, I remember writing this novel that was a ripoff of, complete ripoff of Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer, <laughs> where about two boys rolling in the dirt of the town square, yelling things like, don't you talk about my pa? And, you know, write, write what you know, right? Yeah. Um, I had no idea that it was derivative or bad. And I was like, I'm going to be a writer. I also said I'm going to be an artist because I thought my drawing was really, really good. And, you know, when you're when you're young and you're just like, yeah, I'm the best in my whole class at drawing. And I knew I wasn't the best at um, dodgeball, but I was the best at drawing, definitely. And maybe shop and, <laughs> and writing, though. So, but since that. So then I might have been able to picture I'm going to have a book out one day. I don't think I ever pictured doing it at 53 or being 53 for that matter. Like, well, I, was like, 53 I mean, is unfathomably old. No, I mean, it's not, but you actually, there was a quote in one of your articles that says, it's better when you wait. A pet cause of mine is shifting the perception of age. Social media means people don't have to disappear when Hollywood and the media would have disappeared them. And I thought that was such an amazing quote because age gets brought up time and time again. And in this book, um, is it still something that you struggle with the perception of, or do you realize that you're like, man, the world is mine at this point. And in seeing that book, I was like, I, as a dude that's getting older, I was like, yeah, man, let's do this. Yeah. I, I do feel in, on the one hand, I feel like the world is mine and this is, this is my time. On the other hand, I'm very aware of aging as a woman. I am constantly well, looking in the mirror and pulling back my neck just a little bit. I'm like, just if I if I could wear a clip on the back of my neck that pulled the skin back, like well, one of those koala bears that you used to put on your back, I, you know. I think Ramona does that actually. I think <laughs> I she think wears she clips does. on um... clips, clips and a high <laughs> pony. Exactly. And yeah, and by the way, like watching that show is like a, a crystal ball for your face. It's like, oh no, that's oh. where I'm going. It's <laughs> I was talking about this the other day because I rewatched the Real Housewives of New Jersey christening episode from season three. And oh, yeah. Melissa Gorga shows up and she has a completely different nose. She has all of this mm -hmm. stuff. But I remember at the time, and the same thing with Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Kyle Richards, I remember watching those day and date thinking, wow, those are really pretty women. And then you see them now and it's a completely, you still see them, but you're yeah. like, wow, I thought they were beautiful at the time. And you see all of the, through Housewives, you not only see your own life progress, but you see how these women <laughs> have progressed themselves and what social media and things like that have done to these looks. Yes, it's true. They've altered them completely. And well, some of them look better now and younger. And some of them, it's like, oh my God, look how young she was. And I thought she was so old because they're always <laughs> a little bit older than me, especially on Roni. You know, they, they've always been a little older than me. And I thought, I thought Jill was like a sea hag when it started, when I was first watching. And now I look back, I'm like, she is young. She is yeah. youthful and lovely. <laughs> 
She's, she looks like she's studying for her master's degree. She looks 25, 26, you know? Exactly. And I'm like, oh my God, that's how someone who's like, you know, in their thirties probably looks at me. And one day they're going to look back and be like, wow, Laura Belgrade was so young. I can't believe I thought she was so old. It's horrifying. Oh, so, really? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I have the, like, I was trying to dye my beard because it was like, now it's getting wider. you know, from Vanderpump rules this season, it's just getting wider and wider. And then I found out uh, during the pandemic, I had an allergic reaction to just for men. So I looked like the nutty professor. And then I guess with men, we have this weird thing of like, well, it looks distinguished. Like we don't like, yes. it's the, one of the unfair of many unfair things about, uh, between men and women. Oh yeah. Um, Tough titties, the title of the book, you talk about this, but can you explain to the audience why name this book tough titties? So to me, first of all, it's something that I say a lot, a, because I'm 12 and B it's sort of the ultimate, sorry, not sorry for (laughs) it's my not natural reaction. When anyone says to me, you know, you're supposed to do it this way or so-and-so thinks you should do it that way. Like, well, yeah, tough titties. So-and-so wants this from you. Mm, Tough titties. Someone someone thinks that you should be coming into the office uh, before noon, tough titties, or (laughs) like, why aren't you having kids? Like, you should have kids. Kids are delightful. Yeah. You want me to have kids? Tough titties. So it is, that is my sorry, not sorry, my non-apology for being me and doing life not the way you are supposed to. And that's kind of the theme of the book, not on anyone's timeline, the timeline that's expected of us, Um, not according to anyone's expectations of how a what a woman's life is supposed to look like <laughs> or a girl's back then uh, or what a successful career is supposed to look like. I could never make it into the office by nine or 10 and lasted all of six months in my in my one nine to five job that I ever had. <laughs> so that's why tough titties. Uh, which, by the way, you guys, I'll, I'll link to the book and all, you know, but there was a great L article. They featured her in May and the title of it is Why Won't People Just Let Me Not Be a Mom, which I thought was a hysterical <laughs> title. Um, but, you know, in the book, you talk about this, you know, trying to find this place of not giving Fs. And in reality, how many Fs do you I mean, like Erica Jane, how many Fs do you still give? Like, oh, my the, God. The, way too many, way I too know. many Fs. I don't, I, and in the book, I'll say this, like, I believe zero of the people who claim to give zero Fs, especially if they're declaring it on social media. Well, then you really give an F. You want everyone, you give an F what everyone thinks, and you want them to really admire you for giving zero Fs, which means you give an F. Oh, at least yes. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. You also, you know, you know, studying the Internet now, as we have to do to push all of our things, you know, it's like this really wild vacillation between the Gary V's of the world Mm -hmm. and then the people, the the anti-hustler culture. And it's Mm -hmm. like, where is there room for all of us in between? You know, the Gary V of like showing up every year, like showing up on every podcast, doing everything. It's exhausting. I'll like I'll, I'll be like, dude, this guy again. Like, how do we live in between? I, it's a very good question because I think that also the anti-hustle culture is hustly. It's hustle based. People are hustling to show how anti-hustle they are. They're really TikToks with eight eight angles in a TikTok to show us exactly. how easy their life is. 
Exactly. So I think the, in the middle, somewhere in the middle is saying, you know what, I give many, way too many Fs, uh, what people think, how successful I am, whether I get engagement on social media, oh. whether it all works. And I'm just trying my best. I'm just trying to find the balance between um, doing what I need to do to succeed and not doing more than I want to do, than I have energy to do. And I, I really need time. I need more time to like lie down and watch <laughs> and watch Peacock. I know. God, Peacock, by the way, is killing it. Like they have all mm -hmm. of these extended supersize episodes now of the things that yes. they put on Bravo to get you over to Peacock. They just started filming uh, Roni, the new Roni reboot. It's an ultimate girls trip, but you have Ramona, uh, Sonia, Luann, um, uh, Kristen Takeman for some reason, yes, for, you know, for some reason, for some, you gotta have somebody just to even it out, I guess. Uh, Kelly Ben Simone, what can you speak to like what Roni, I mean, you live in New York, you grew up mm -hmm. in New York. That is your stomping grounds. What did Roni mean to you? And are you looking forward to the reboot of Roni that comes out in July? And are you looking forward to ultimate girls trip with the old school gals? Yeah. So what Roni meant to me when it came out was, thank God I feel seen. Somebody is caring about New York because who cares about Orange County? And <laughs> I really, <laughs> I, I think it was the second one. No, maybe it was the third. I don't remember what order it was. I know it was the first. It was OC, maybe Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. OC was, OC was the first. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. then I think you actually had Atlanta maybe, or oh, I'm maybe. actually confused. I, Jersey and Atlanta. Maybe Jersey I, came next. I can't remember, but I do remember feeling the sense of finally my day has come when it was New York. And then, you know, watching it and feeling a little betrayed by the New Yorkers they picked because I'm like, these are not New Yorkers. This is not my New York. Um, I, I like them enough, but also that back then it was really supposed to be housewives. And I was like, not one of them. I don't have to watch housewives, but why are they calling themselves housewives? Now that term has become so loose and liberal, but I felt like, you know, it was a lie. It's like, what's like Bethany in that little post-war apartment on the, <laughs> on the Upper East side. And then I, I think I also, I think their apartments were somewhat offensive to me, not the Brownstones, but, um, I felt like Ramona's was, and I could be getting this wrong, but I feel I felt like hers was a fake pre-war in a post-war apartment, like that she had put in mold, that she had put in uh, pre-war details, moldings into, which would be very Ramona. Oh, it'd be amazing. I mean, that would. I want to. I want a uh, architectural digest of Ramona's old apartment. <laughs> yeah, I think I, we have to do a little forensic digging, but. Um, but I've always, that has been my go-to. Like I felt loyal to Roni from the very start. That's like, that is my housewives. That's my franchise. And I am, I am looking forward to the ultimate girls trip. I feel like that that's too little. And I, I wanted, I did want the reboot. I wanted the legacy, uh, not the reboot. I wanted the yeah. legacy season, a true legacy season. And I think that this cast is 
pretty great. Like Kristen Takeman, you're right. For some reason, it's, it feels random, but I think there's already some good drama there with Ramona having no idea who she is, even though they yeah. had a whole season together. Ramona, like not remembering that there was a glass thrown <laughs> off a canoe or in a rowboat. I forget what they were in into the water. Kristen Takeman being like, you know, my face is my fortune. You've cut my lip. And <laughs> No, I mean, it's, I, I think it's, it's interesting now because the housewives of today, it almost is like a survivor TV show where they are trying to outlast, yes. outwit, outplay. And it used to be kind of, you know, you go back and you're like, wow, this is like a documentary, but now it is like, can we, can we last throughout the season? And I feel like this is going to be unhinged because I think they feel like they're auditioning for Roni legacy. Like they're like, if this yeah. goes good, they will bring us all back and we will all get paid. And I just have a feeling though, some of those ladies can be so heavy handed with it that we might, it's it's going to be too, it's going to be like Lisa Rinna, like, you know, the last season when Lisa Rinna was like reenacting herself and it was just too much, <laughs> yeah. you know? I, I like anytime when they're, they're trying to pull focus and <laughs> they, they act like they're really uncomfortable what, with what has happened or what is happening right now. Yeah. It's like, like uh, Marge on New Jersey being like, I have to leave this wedding. I'm, it, I'm just too upset that Melissa, Melissa Gorga isn't here to celebrate with the family. And um, like, you don't care at all. No. It's just me. Yeah, they're all trying so hard for a storyline. So I think that will make it fascinating. I think they're all going to be incredibly misbehaved. And I think that the 2020 season that got them canceled was a real teachable moment in that they learned not to make anything a teachable moment. That was such such a misfire when they had oh. on um, Ebony, Ebony Ebony and Ramona's apartment trying to talk with her through the election <laughs> and Ramona like every actor she was like pivoting she would be like angry and then extremely bawling and then back <laughs> to anger and then laughter and she was like clutching her dog it was the wildest thing which I think we'll, we'll look back on as you're right a teachable moment but I remember feeling so uncomfortable because I'm like Ramona ain't going to learn, you guys. She's not mm -hmm. going to learn. She is not here to learn. She is not going to shift her perspective or um, or any of those things. I love that. Like the whole season, they were trying to educate Ramona or educate each other. Like, I want to show you my Harlem through a Shabbat dinner. What? That makes, that's two. You're trying to teach two things in one. That's not going to work. I'm sitting there watching in a mask. I can't leave my place. And I'm like, what is going on? It was a really wild time, but it was so bad. You guys, you guys know what happened that they yanked it and they're going to like, we're, it was too toxic, which is really so interesting when say, somebody says a too toxic thing. And I was like, yeah, I feel that. But then I went back, like I said, watch that christening episode from 2011. I mean, people were throwing punches at a, at a boy's christening, like <laughs> People almost died that night at a boy's christening. And I was like, wait a sec, maybe it's not too toxic. Maybe we've just changed as a culture and we're trying to catch up to our old uh, our old haunts and our old behavior and what we used to love and trying to find place for both, maybe? Yeah, I feel like we need to bring some of that toxicity back. 
It needs. <laughs> wait, wait. That's the title of your next book. We need to bring some of that toxicity back. Maybe it's just toxic titties will be my next book. <laughs> By the way, have you ruined saying tough titties for yourself for the rest of your life because they're going to be like, she's plugging her book again. Watch out. I don't think I have. I think I've ruined other people saying it. Now people say it to me if I want something. Well, my husband's been throwing it at me. Like, well, I don't, I'm not ready to leave. Um, you know, he, he's like, let's get in the car. It's time to go. You're not, why aren't you showered? Uh, I'm like, you? I'm not ready yet. And I'll say tough titties. And then I'll say, uh-huh. uh, so that's. Which by the way, we'll bring up your husband in a bit. Cause I do have a, a couple of comments uh, about him. And by the way, this does talk about your dating life. This has one of the best titles of a book that I've read in a long time. I'm not going to say it here, but I'll leave it for a surprise. And you can uh, DM me, you guys, if you found the title that I'm referring to. <laughs> Um, I mean, I know this is kind of an overview question, but what would you hope that women can get from this book? I know what I got from it, but like, I, I don't think I'm the primary audience for this. What, what do you hope that people read this and, and get from it? I, I, yeah, people, cause I'm, I'm all into cis white privileged males reading this book. That's any, any form of male, any gender. <laughs> non-binary women anyone like that um i do i hope that first of all i hope they find it entertaining and compelling and funny and uh want to stay up way too late reading it which to me to me that's the holy grail of a book like that you can't stop reading it but also a sense of relief that maybe they're not the only hot mess in town, the only person whose life isn't what they thought it would be at this age, whatever age that is, um, that maybe they're not behind or they're not alone in feeling behind, whether it's in their life or their career, and uh, that maybe they're not doing life all wrong or that even if they are, that it's going to lead them where they are supposed to be. So I like I like delivering relief and permission, making people feel like, Oh, it's okay to be myself. And also the permission to see the quiet part out loud. And I think there's a lot in the book where you might say, oh, you're allowed to say that. You're allowed to say that in a book. And um, I found, do you know Sam Irby, Samantha Irby's book? Yeah, yeah. She's so funny. And I feel like her books give me that gift when I read it. I'm like, oh yeah, you can talk like this in a book. And or just in life where you could admit I've heard her on podcasts just saying, like, I cannot keep up with the with the world and the news. And she's a, like she's a, a an arguably good person. Right. But that doesn't mean that um, like just because just because she can't keep up with what's going on and she only wants to talk about, say, Vanderpump rules doesn't mean that she doesn't care about the world. And so I find that very permission giving hearing somebody just admit they are who they are. So that's yeah. what I want my book to give to other people. And I will say, I mean, just reading the book myself is that one of the biggest compliments I can give you into anything that I really truly love. And what I try to do on this show is that I want you to feel like you're in a conversation with a friend that you are, you know, that, that is that thing of like, Oh my God, or, you know, you want to actually talk back to you or with you or share a story with you. Cause you're like, Oh, I love that. I want to share something of my experience. And that really inspired me because you guys, I don't know if you know, our brains have become mush because we're watching too many reality TV shows that I started not reading as much. And so when I got this, you know, I've been getting books lately and I'm like, yeah, 
And then I'll sit down and I'll be like, can I get this in audiobook format? And I can't. And then I have to learn. But immediately this just sucked me in because that, that intro just alone, I was like, this is specifically what I'm going through right now. And it just led me in. And then I didn't prepare for it to be as funny as it was. And that's what kept me in there. And it was just so uh, relatable on so many levels or you found something to relate to in every chapter there was. So I thought it was just, and it just really moves so quickly. Um, how long did it take you the actual process of writing this? Oh God, uh, so long. I mean, as usual, I felt like I'm behind, I'm too slow. And I, so I started writing it, I'd say in earnest in 2019. And that's when I decided I really want a book deal. I want to make this happen. I felt like I would like to have a book out in my 50th year. Well, that was my 50th year. I <laughs> found out that <laughs> books take like four years to come out from the, even from the time you you get the book deal. So but they, I, they have to find know. the trees, they have to find the paper, the whole exactly. thing. Exactly, yeah. right. They have to source it all. Um, <laughs> so, so that's when I really started writing it and writing a proposal and, and looking for an agent and all that kind of stuff in 2020, October, 2020, I got the book deal. And then 2021 was a mess of me pacing, crying, saying, I can't do this. Um, yeah, deep in, in the hole of in the hell hole of the cliche, you know, writer's block. And I can't figure out what's the point of this story. And this is all garbage. And I thought it was going to be, I thought it was just going to pour out of me, et cetera. And then 2022, April, 2022 is when I handed in the manuscript. And then it is out a year and change later. So it's, it's a long, long ass process. And on the one hand, it goes so slowly. It's like, I can't believe this is taking so long. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh my God, my book is coming out next week. My book is coming out tomorrow. How did it sneak up on me? So <laughs> yeah, that's. Have your, have your friends read it or, and what is your mm -hmm. husband? The book. Have they read it? What are their What are their uh, reviews of this book? Has anybody in the hypercritical that's been, like close to you? Well, one person who read an early version, my best friend Vic, who is in the book, in the a book. lot of the book. Yes, she's heavily. Is she the one in the Is she the one in the Martin Scorsese story? Yes, yes. She Which, is. by the way, there's a story you guys where they hang out with not they. She uses Martin Scorsese <laughs> for the book, but I assure you that it is not Martin Scorsese, even though something in me still wants to believe it's Martin Scorsese. So. <laughs> it's not Martin Scorsese, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So she's the one in that chapter, and. Um, she read an early version and she was like, I, I love it so much. She's like, I love how much I'm in it. But, um, <laughs> she's like, I feel like you're, you're like too honest in a way you're too honest. You're kind of mean to yourself. And I feel like you don't show yourself as, as lovable a person as I know you to be. And so it wasn't really harsh criticism is loving criticism. And I had to figure out how to, you know, take that in and react to that feedback, you know, in a way that answered it. I was like, is she right about that? And then I realized looking through it, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty honest about all my flaws and all the bad things I've done and being <laughs> sometimes being the worst. And I, I think the missing element was my actual feelings, like the emotion or what I wanted or why I was behaving this way, which is what you know, makes us understand a person and see them yeah, and yeah. the motivations and root for them. And so I had to add in a lot of that. And part of me was 
like never inclined to share my feelings in any way. It just doesn't occur to me because my dad was a shrink and there's a whole chapter about this. But once he became a shrink, he was so obsessed with therapy and feelings that he was always probing me like all the way up my butthole for my feelings. And I learned to keep them in a locked box, you know, wrapped in, in plastic, that kind of plastic that cuts you, that's um, anything in the drugstore is kept in, uh, <laughs> that you can't open like like a, the CDs used to be, and um, at the bottom of the sea. So yeah, that was that was some tough criticism, and it was it was necessary feedback. And then my husband loved the book. He took forever to read it. He was like, "I'm reading your book. I'm reading your book," and he'd still be on chapter one. I'm like is this, is this book a slog? Is it really hard to get into? He's like, no, I'm just war. I'm just afraid while he was reading it. He was just afraid. And then he skipped chapter nine, the one that you were alluding to that we won't say the name. <laughs> Damn you. Um, he skipped chapter nine and he skipped the chapter about the boyfriend who came right before him. Which oh is, yeah. He's never going to leave her. Yeah. That, I mean, I would be a God. Yeah. I didn't even, that would be, <laughs> be really, you're like giving an instruction manual to every romantic experience and non-romantic experiences that you've ever had in your life in this <laughs> book from a very young age. Um, I, I, I was just thinking about the time you were saying like, I wanted to be the one uh, on the beach towel uh, early <laughs> when you were young. Um, yeah, inside joke, you guys. Um <laughs> I was thinking about uh, Roni too. You were just talking about it. Bethany Frankel, you had mentioned her is that, you know, we had this affinity for Bethany because we got to see her actually create something. We actually saw her, you know, really, you know, we saw her in supermarkets pushing that skinny girl brand and pushing that. Mm -hmm. And then we saw her, you know, sell this company, Bethany getting married, all of this stuff. And she, to me in right now, as of today, even is trying to still be the kind of that Gary V of like, I want to be an influencer now. I want to be a TikToker. I want to be, yeah. you know, you know, kind of what you talk a little bit about in the book of this influencer culture. It is weird. What do you think about Bethany Frankel? I was wondering. Mm. I, so I am drawn to Bethany. I, I miss her on the show. I feel like it needs her. I, perceive her at, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I think she's an incredible narcissist. I forget. Yeah. Yeah, I can't diagnose, but maybe. uh, No, not diagnosing her, but she cannot stop talking about herself. And it's always, it always comes back to like me. Andy Cohen always said that I was the Greek chorus of the show. Like I'm the one that, you know, I'm the voice that's really necessary on the show. I'm the Greek chorus. I'm the one with the, with the sane answers, the the witty quips. Um, And I like, I will listen to her all day. I think I'm drawn to narcissists. I think that's the problem. And but I really I think a lot of us I are. I think a lot her. of us. Yeah, we are. They're very charismatic. And yeah. you know, I like I appreciate that she's saying like this drugstore brand is so much more hydrating than the really expensive one, than Shiseido. But <laughs> I I'm like a little bit like shut up about how you I think she backed herself into a corner saying, I'm never returning to the show ever again. It's not good for my life. It's not good for me. I don't need to. I don't need the show. Um, But I am the Greek chorus of it, and I am an essential piece of it. Like, well, then just go back on the show. Just give us what we want. We don't – I don't need the makeup tips. There are plenty of people to tell me that. And I also don't feel – that again, not a plastic surgeon. I don't think that she has been honest about the work she's had done. She's pretending that she's the only honest person in the industry. I'm like, there's no way Botox got your chipmunk cheeks that you started the show with down to that narrow <laughs> jawline. There's no she way. She discovered it was Pilates. It was really intense. Pilates. Pilates. It's, it's, it's uh, all yeah, Pilates, it's, you guys. Yeah. 
Well, that's the thing I always get, uh, you know, perturbed about Bethany because, like, I think she's iconic, obviously, and she did help these shows so much. But, like I said, Orange County became, like, I would say Vicki Gunvalson put them on the map before Bethany mm-hmm. Frankel. And I always just, I get uh, territorial where I'm like, nobody is above the show. Like, the show is the star. Like, they're, the show mm-hmm. creates stars. It's kind of like Saturday Night Live in a sense. But nobody is, like, we can keep going regardless and stop ragging on the show in the press when it's bad and then when it starts getting good saying oh it was because of me it's like pick a lane and stick to that lane but it's got to be i i sometimes wonder like the frustration that andy cohen must go through having to deal with any sometimes of these ladies having his number and bethany frankel of like which which one is it going to be this month does she like the show does she not like the show and the show i think would be so great with her but i don't want her coming back thinking this show needs me i need to save the show Yeah, well, that's the only way she would ever come back. Uh, And it it would have to be a glorious payday. Well, now is my favorite part of the show where I get to talk about our sponsors. And this week we are sponsored once again by our friends over at BetterHelp. Um, Listen, um, they give you this copy that you're supposed to read, right? But I'm happy to tell you that I actually uh, used BetterHelp this week. Yeah. Yeah. This week. Now they usually, uh, I thought it would actually be helpful for you guys to know that I actually have used this in the past and I am using this again. And it was really, really easy. That's the good part. When you, you know, the hardest part is actually reaching out to actually know you're like, Hey, I don't feel right. I do need to talk to somebody. There are situations in my life right now that I can't deal with by myself. And that's the hardest part is actually reaching out. The easiest part, let me just say up top before I read any of this stuff, the easiest part was better help. Like you literally put in your information and within 24 hours, they had already matched me with a therapist. They just asked you a couple of very simple questions, um, where you're located, what's your age, what's any just basic things. And they matched you and I was able to set up an appointment for this week. And so that is, that is the best thing when you're not actually feeling your best. And I don't mean uh, physically, but emotionally that, um, that people like BetterHelp or companies like BetterHelp can help you um, take away the part of these things being hard to go do. Like they're like, Hey, we're going to make it as easy as possible for you to try to be able to talk to the person that is potentially going to help you. And I just wanted to say a personal story about mine right up top, and I will keep you guys posted how it goes. Um, but listen, they, they, we spend so much time on ourselves in a given week um, or, you know, we were supposed to, but how much time do you spend on other people? And then how do you balance the two? I mean, sometimes I will do way more for other people than I'll do for myself, or sometimes I feel like I'm doing way more for myself than other people. And and the hard thing, I mean, with life in general is just finding that balance. So it's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never to take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. And I think that for me, <clears throat> that's where this week I, I talked about my experience, I think, on Friday's show um, was that I just, uh, I couldn't move on Tuesday. Everything had become so overwhelming. And I don't mean the work. This work is such a joy to do. That's this is like what a what a what a great thing to be stressed by. But I'm talking about everything else in my life. 
everything just caught up with me and I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I was recommended like, Hey, it's probably time for you to actually get back into therapy and not just do one therapy, like, you know, one therapist session one week and say, I'm good. Um, but when we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin and burned out. Therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. Um, I've benefited from therapy many times in the past, and I don't know. I don't want to set up expectations for this time. But the great thing about BetterHelp, too, is, though, if if you don't – if you don't, I hate to use the word vibe, but if you don't vibe with your therapist – you can actually uh, you can actually choose another therapist. It's not like you're just locked into this one therapist, which I think is extremely helpful because it's like anything. You're trying to find that 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 thing that actually works for you. You know, this is for you. This is to help you. And sometimes, like I said in the beginning, it is hard to make that commitment to yourself, but it's sometimes so much easier to make that commitment to other people and for other people. But if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Um, it's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Uh, and that was another big thing for me, especially right now, because I'm, I don't know where I'm going to be week to week. I might be here. I might be in Arizona. I might go, you know, like there's just a lot of different things. And that that's one thing I'll do to myself. I'll trap myself a little bit of like, well, I can't possibly do that right now because I'm leaving out of town next week. So I can't possibly start this new thing. But with that, you, you can literally do this anywhere. All you need is your computer or a phone. And for the most part, I think we all have those. If not, I'm, I'm willing to, to loan you mine if you're in the the Gilbert, Arizona area. Um, but it's designed to be just flexible, suited to your schedule. Like I said, you just fill out that brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find more ba balance with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash so bad today to get 10% off your first month. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P, betterhelp.com slash so bad. Um, listen, give it a shot. Try it. I'm going to try it. I just wanted to let you guys know that I did do this this week and it was so quick. It was so quick that I was almost like, you know what? I was banking on this. Like, uh, I was banking on not hearing from a couple more days, so I didn't have to actually do it yet, but now it, I'm, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. So all, don't worry. And also all this information will be in the show notes and, uh, and now back for the remaining portion of our show. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from 30 performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. 
So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. For her, which I don't know if the show is is willing to pay. She's, I mean, she's probably burned her bridges, but then again, she is such good TV that they would find a way to take, you know, to to bring her back to create a new another spinoff, um, like Real Housewives, Scary Island, uh, the remix or something like that. Yeah, but I mean, uh, yeah, sold. Yes, sold. I would. I mean, that. I would watch that. I feel like Bethany doesn't deserve us. Our, our loyalty and our viewership, but I would watch. Yeah, and, of course. I mean, like, listen. At this point, beat. I will. I will watch anything on Bravo. It has been proven time and time again. So, uh, you know, I've gotten so much joy out of it, um, including Vanderpump Rules, which this season has oh. been truly insane. I've talked nonstop on this show about it with the scandal of it all. And last night we had a Secrets Revealed episode. But talking about not, you know, uh, diagnosing people with narcissism, uh, Tom Sandoval oh, yeah. seems uh, to be a, uh, an unsuccessful, Textbook. yeah, but an unsuccessful <laughs> Bethany Frankel yeah. if you're comparing to Bethany in terms of monetizing. And it is interesting with influencer culture, all of these cast members have really thrived because of his uh, infidelity. What is your take on Tom Sandoval watching Vanderpump Rules? Yeah. Okay. So yes, you just, you made a really good point that just now that, yeah, they're really thriving because of Tom, Tom Sandoval's infidelity and yet, you know, sitting there and yelling and like poo poo head, poo poo head, boo. Wow. They should really be kissing his ass, thanking him <laughs> for the shitty things he's done that put them all on the map. Like, Holy crap. I mean, James is now, he's probably a really well-paid DJ now at this point. I've seen videos of him playing the, playing the theme song. And, and the people are winning out. Yes. <laughs> it costs $50,000, $50,000 to book DJ James Kennedy for a wedding. $50,000 for Tom Sandoval's um, karaoke band. It's 25, uh-uh. it's 25,000. That's amazing. That crazy? That's uh, It is, it is crazy. His cover band with his, and you the, probably the shirt off is not extra. Yeah, you like, you, that off. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show it regardless. So I mean, right. that's that's the only thing in terms of like influencer culture that he's done right is that you'll still have the stray handful of girls of like I'd still hit it. Yeah, and yes. that's, that's a that's a good looking bod, you know. Yeah, well, I I got a friend of mine who's a, a gay man into Vanderpump. I, I've been trying to get him to watch for years and years and years. And he was always like, nah, not into it. Too straight for me. Not, not feeling it. And then this year he was, okay, fine. I will start watching. Do I have to watch from the beginning? Which season do I start with? <laughs> I'm like, just start with the beginning. And he was immediately texting me. I mean, he started a group, like a Vanderpump hashtag hot mess group um, on Instagram and he's he jumped like, on the bandwagon. He, he jumped like, on the bandwagon crazy. to such an extent. And he's like, Tom Sandoval is hot. 
And I'm like, well, just wait. And then it's like, Jack's, you know, smoke show. I'm like, wow, you really, you really haven't smoke watched show. much of it yet. It's <laughs> <Smoke laughs> <laughs> great. I, I suggest people always start with this season and then they can go back and give you like a prequel to a movie, you know, like yes. a Godfather prequel, because you're like, oh, now I understand why people dislike Jack's or, oh, I see now how Tom positioned himself as a really good guy for all of these seasons. Yes, the best friend. I mean, paying for Rachella. And God knows how much money did he shell out in the name of being a good friend, which is being a good friend equals camera time, obviously. He he becomes part of yeah. the storyline. He's like, look, I set up fireworks for you. Um, then he gets yeah. camera time. So, yes, that just occurred to me. Well, but, yeah, oh, what were you going to ask? Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, saying. Uh, I completely agree with you on – positioning yourself on TV and he's been there for 10 seasons. And I think the audience, what really took us for a loop was that we really bought into this was kind of a weird guy that did his weird things and we supported that, but he also was so in love with Ariana. So we never could have really, even though this show is based on infidelity and cheating, we never really could have pictured it, even though we should have been picturing it all along. And you talk about infidelity in the book as well, but like, I mean, did that shock you as well? Or were you kind of like, cause for me, it was like a visceral reaction. I was in it like a Super Bowl game. What I imagine oh, men yeah. watching sports are like, I was like, Oh, I was glued to it. Oh, same. It's, I mean, from the very moment I found out, you know, I found out when the world, do you remember where you were when you heard about yeah, Ariana finding his phone? And I felt it for her. I have been cheated on. I've opened up someone's emails and found like disgusting, like obvious flagrant evidence of the cheating, like discussions of the sex and um, I mean, this was before there was FaceTime and you could take a screen grab, but I really felt that like, holy crap, what is that like to pick up someone's phone, your boyfriend's phone and look through it and see exactly what your a little like smidgen of an instinct told you you might and, and we're hoping not to find. It was an incredible sequence of events and then them going back hearing that they were going back to filming and the um the fight the alleged punch in the face that sheena couldn't possibly have done you know to, because her nails were too long yeah. i love that the the yes. i mean it's been such an exciting time and um a little bit of a rift between me and my husband because I've been trying to get him to watch and he's never going to watch Vanderpump. I mean, the most he's ever done Bravo wise is interrupt, like talk over the show when I'm watching Roni and say like, hi, I'm Luann. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is not helpful. I'm Luann. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've just <laughs> been trying, you know, telling him, I'm like, I have no one else to talk to about this right now. Do you know what just happened? Like, I, I just got to tell you what Tom Sandoval said on the reunion about the T-shirt. And he's like, listen, every time you talk about this, it feels like you're telling me your dream. And that is a terrible <laughs> thing to me. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> Like, okay. I thought you were going to say it created a, I thought you were going to say it created a riff with your husband because he was like pro Sandoval. I thought that was yeah. like, and it's like, no, he just <laughs> doesn't like this. By the way, Vanderpump rules usually is a feeder system into Bravo for straight men. It's like that and below deck. Yeah. Below deck, right. they love to see the boats 
and they men love to see bins drinking and potential like uh, sex with like 20 and 30 year olds. That's yes. what it seems like a feeder system. And then they secretly get into housewives. Like it kind of washes over them like a virus, but those are usually the two shows Vanderpump rules and below deck that I've found. Right. Because it's like, Oh, there are hot people on these shows. I'll, I'll watch that. Yeah. I mean, my husband is, my husband is uh, in his sixties. He's nine years older than me. Um, but totally ageist about all of them. He's like, <laughs> these people, Oh, there's a hot one. Who's that? Like, yeah, that's the new one. They just added because, <laughs> you know, they, they always add like a young, a young new, if they add in anybody to a cast now, they're like 20 years younger than anybody, than any of the original members. It's yeah. like um, on sitcoms when they used to add a little kid with a bowl, a bowl haircut, at like a, to up the ratings, like on family ties. Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, you had a baby, yeah. really? Family ties. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like Leo DiCaprio on. Um, oh, Growing of, Pains, Growing Pains. The Growing Pains. Yes. Yeah. They would always add in a young little boy and usually. Oh, and on on different strokes, too. I forget the kids. Well, Cosby same, Show did it. Cosby Show oh, yeah. added like Raven Simone. And I, if I'm yes. not mistaken, I was really little at the time. I think it was like a three year time jump. Raven, like the Raven Simone was a baby. Then all of a sudden it was like Raven Simone was like a four or five year old toddler taught him like, where did the kid come up from in lines? Like, I, I believe there was a time jump where they would put in that like cute little kid that could deliver comedic yes. lines perfectly. And with reality shows, you kind of get that as well when they do new castings of, you know, or I was even thinking about Roni with like Leah McSweeney, that first episode, yes. the first season, not the second season, when she came in and she was throwing tiki torches. It was like, whoa, yeah. look at this new energy in Roni. And it didn't work on the second right. season. Right. And had a streetwear brand. And um, we're going and, to the East yeah, Side, not um, East Side. Where wait, was it Lower West Side or where, downtown? Where, where the, Lower East Side. Downtown. It was probably yeah, Lower East yeah, Side. Yeah, she was she was the downtown girl. Where whereas like the other the other cast members are like downtown. My goodness, how does one get there? Um, do cabs <laughs> go there? <laughs> They look scared. Like every scene yeah. that they would have at like some massage place or one of Leah's parties, except for Sonia. Sonia like could hang mm -hmm. anywhere, but the rest of them were like, should I, am I going to get tetanus? Like what's, what's going on here? <laughs> right. Exactly. I didn't get my shots. Can I still come down here? <laughs> Although Sonia is a little delicate. She, she never knows how she's going to get anywhere. I remember in the, um, the early oh, the seasons. Oh yeah, oh, the the Jitney. Um, but that and then the early seasons when um, Alex and Simon lived in Brooklyn, and Alex would always. Oh, this is before yeah. Brooklyn was hot, and Alex would always be trying to make a case for Brooklyn. She'd be like, "I think that like it's a great place for a fashion show. There's just this hot young energy in Brooklyn." And Jill would be like, "So this is Brooklyn? Oh, hello, you know." <laughs> Well, I mean, God, I, I always think if they had kept now they live in Australia, um, uh, yeah. Simon and I like it. But like if they had yeah. kept that Brooklyn place, I'm sure it would be like multi, oh. multi million dollars at this point. Yes, they would never need to even think about returning to reality TV. They could just retire she off would, of that real estate. She could buy as many Herman Munster shoes as she would want. <laughs> shoes. Which, by the way, she's all day. <laughs> she's coming back to ultimate girls trip, not the Roni season, yes. but she's on the one that has already been filmed right. with the is Brandy the Glanville. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think maybe oh, church, where, Brandy where Glanville. Brandy, right. Brandy sexually harassed. Um, uh, uh, what's her name from New Jersey? Um, uh, Caroline, Caroline Manzo. Caroline Manzo. Yeah. Yes. 
Right. Yeah, like, speaking of social think- media, Brandy Glanville is a wild Twitter follower because you you can tell she usually like dips into wine at night and she really just rants about like this is what they expected me to do. Like she's like not having a good time right now, like every night. Cause she'll just rail against everything and how she is treated. But we've created these reality stars that then I think always think about this influencer culture of like, where does this go from here? Like, do we have to buy products from like bachelor contestants for the rest of our lives? Like, how do we even like in what you do even with like copywriting and you're like, you know, people will take your courses online and stuff of like, you know, where does this go? We can't all be this. Like, can't like, how do we find our voice? Like, how do you help us find our voice? <laughs> I don't know how to help the, the the housewives find their voices. I do think like in, in both housewivesville and sh- showbiz at large, you have to, if you are like nearing the end of your twenties, you've got to be thinking about your lifestyle brand. That's it. Like you, that's your next chapter. You have to be thinking about that. What oh is your, your line of shapewear, your app, your accountability coaching group program, um, Teddy Mellencamp, you have to have that or, or you're not going to have anything. You're going to oh age God. out of being hot enough uh, for anything, but you know, but pimping out a lifestyle, but like, I like Bethany. Well, back to the narcissism. She'll always be like, yeah, they call it the Bethany clause. Um, I created a clause because, you know, now, um, now Bravo is really wary of like cash in. They they make sure that they cash in. They make sure that they cash in. If you have a lifestyle brand, you have any kind of brand that you're bringing on the show, they make sure to build into the contact that they get into the contract that they get a part of it. And um, you do a good Bethany, by the way, you do a really good Bethany. It's just, the speeding up is just, I was like, already got tense. Like I was watching one of her videos. I was like, Oh my God. Uh. Um, you're right. Like that Bravo now owns a piece of any product that they actually put like lover boy, I believe on summer house, Bravo has a piece of that. And I mean, it's very smart because, you know, Bethany made millions and I right. mean, I don't know if they truly call it the Bethany clause, but I think it was definitely inspired by her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just a clause, but she's like, I call it the Bethany clause. Right. Um, uh, yeah, no, I always think about like finding like, what's your special sauce? Like, I feel like reading your book, I was, I, you know, you seem like you've crystallized your voice where I, I specifically knew who I was going to be talking to today. Um, but how do others do that? How do we find our voice? Like when we do give so many fucks, how do we yes. even begin to do that? Yeah, I think, I think it, well, first of all, it starts with surrounding yourself with people who make you feel like yourself. And that's got to be really hard to do if you are on a reality show, by the way, like the cameras are on you, just being yourself, being your natural self, especially if you're a nice person, that's not going to cut it. You've got to manufacture everything. You have to manufacture what you're thinking, what you care about, what you say you care about, um, what upsets you. All the drama is so manufactured or else they're off the show if they don't do that. But in regular life, if you're not on a reality show, surround yourself with people who make you feel like yourself. That's really important. If you find yourself, don't you get a hangover when you're around somebody who makes, where, where you feel like you're saying things you don't mean? Um, and you know what I mean? And then the next day you're like, ugh, I just feel gross about that dinner I had last night with that person. Why yeah, your I, energy is like, all sucked yeah. out. Yes, it's all sucked out. And then just, yeah, be like, it's easier said than done sometimes. Say, be who you are. 
be your real self. And our parents have been telling us that since we were in fifth grade and nobody like no one invited us to the party. And like, if, well, if they don't like you for who you are, then they're not your real friends. Like, but I wanted them to be my real friends. I want yes. to be at that party. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm willing to change me to be them. Like, come on, yes, I'm, will, yes. I'm willing to be putty. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of Feedback. the what, what Tell me the, what to like, change. What did you say? Like, it's the 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 what isn't important if you don't know the why, or was it revert? What was the? Oh, yeah, well, because everybody, especially in the in the marketing world, in entrepreneurship, all these books, get Gary Vee, all these people talk about how I think it comes from a Simon Sinek TEDx talk about um, finding your why, how uh, the people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. So you have to find your why and work your why. And I just say, nobody cares about your why if your what sucks. They want, like, yeah, I don't yeah. care. I don't care why Sensodyne makes the toothpaste they make. I use it because it helps, you know, helps my teeth be less sensitive and it's got extra whitening in it. So, like, I don't care about their values. I really don't. Um, well, I maybe I'd care how they, if I found out they were funneling money to, you know, QAnon. But other than that, not bad news for you, life. Laura. Sensodyne <laughs> uh, was on USA Today. The cover. They are they are the number one supporter of QAnon in this country. Uh, allegedly, I don't. That's totally made up. Um, Sensodyne started no, Pizza Gate. Yeah. <laughs> that would wouldn't that be? Now that would be that. I would actually option that as a movie. That would be something I'd want be, to see in film. Me too. For. It would um, be the new Flaming uh, Hot Cheetos movie. I got I got just a couple more minutes with you too, but I wanted because uh, I had gotten this from Eva. She had said. Uh, we were talking about, and just like that, uh, the sex in the city, uh, the, the new sex in the city that doesn't remind me a lot of the old sex in the city and season two is about to come up. But I just love this, that your husband, uh, lovingly called your book loser sex in the city, which I thought was, (laughs) I was like, that guy needs to write a book. That's hysterical. Yeah. He's very proud of that line. I mean, it was truly off the top of his head. I was like, I don't know what my book's about. I don't know what the theme is or how to describe it to people. It's so many different things. He's like, isn't it just loser sex in the city? Like, yes, thank Dude, you. I think get out. Get out. <laughs> like, leave. What are you talking? Get out. It's, but it's perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> it, it is. It's it's pretty aptly described. Someone else described it as uh, are you there? Goddess me, Margaret meets sex in the city meets office space, which is also oh, pretty that's accurate. That's a great, um, yeah. It's a sell, You sure. can sell that today. Yeah. Um, but Sex in the City, um, you know, gave us like a view of New York, just like Roni did. And then yes. now we're, you know, 20 plus plus years later and they do a reboot of it. And just like that. And we had the first season where it felt like to me and I don't I'm not from New York that Sarah Jessica Parker had been cryogenically frozen and just unfrozen in the year 2021. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. she like, what's a podcast? And what is a this? podcast? That was yeah, you like, no, I don't know what a podcast is. Why are you telling me to listen to one? Like. But also, like, the only podcast that takes live call-in, like a call-in right. radio show, I'm like, that's not a podcast, but... Woke moment. Was... <laughs> yeah, exactly, woke moment. And Che Diaz, come on. Hey, it's me, I Che Diaz. Yes, oh my <laughs> God. Um, 
were you a huge fan of Sex in the City? I mean, like everybody was, but you lived in yeah. New York. Did you yes. feel that was represented, uh, you know, a good representation of your life in New York growing I mean, up? No, I wasn't. I, absolutely <laughs> not. I, it, the, my, my version was loser Sex in the City. I did. First of all, I can't wear heels. I'm terrible in them. I fall. I twist my ankle. I, I could never wear the like heels and dresses. I'm not a fan of my legs. Um, nobody can walk on cobblestones, which they do in those in Manolos. So that Very well. that yeah. part of it, yeah, that part of it is bullshit. Uh, a lot of it was bullshit, but I loved it. I always loved it. And then rewatching it when I was in the hellhole I described of writing the book or not writing the book and just blo- blocked and stuck, that was my medicine. I went back and watched Sex and the City from the very beginning. Like every day I would just end up lying down and going into a sex in the city coma. And it was that, that (laughs) I found it very healing. It was also incredibly embarrassing to watch again. It's like, oh my gosh, some of these jokes are so bad. I'm so happy nobody is watching them with me because um, I'd be too embarrassed to have anybody else in the room. But like, like um, Charlotte learning to cook a Seder meal and like in her, I think she, she wrote um, Harry's name in the cookbook and the voiceover says in high school, Charlotte doodled with Harry. She doodled and <laughs> like, oh, this is really upsetting. But then, but then like uh, over the course of those, all those seasons, you're like, gosh, the character development really is good and accurate. And the, the way they portray, portray relationships, unhealthy relationships is so right on. And yeah. I, that made me fall in love with it all over again. It's just like the big storyline, the friends being like, we cannot be here for, here for you. The next time you get back together with them, she'd be like, well, uh, I got something to tell you. And you're like, oh no, <laughs> I've been there. I've been that person complaining about the boyfriend, the relationship, people saying like, it's never, he's never going to change something that you have to change in order for him to change. And I felt like that's a really good aspect of the show. And then this new one, um, I'm a little bit of an apologist for it. I mean, it's, it, it's um, horrific in many ways, like I, the woke moment. But I watched it every week. Yeah, I mean, like I looked Me forward to watching it every week. So it wasn't, it's Same. that weird thing of like, I was talking, I interviewed about something about hate watching. And I was like, I hate yeah. watch that show. But then there is a, you know, if you hate, you know, if you're watching it because you hate something, there is this internalized love that it implies yes. if you are like, and then I would think about scenes and I would think about it from a comedic angle, but then I would be like, okay, overall they're trying. And I'm so curious in the second season, if they find more of their voice after so many years off, because all the elements are there. And you talked about in the, the original series, there were those moments where you go back, if you watch it and you're like, Oh my God, God, how did this make it to air? That's like insane. So I'm like, they're just speeding up that process in the first season of, oh my God. And maybe the second season, but also that Kim Cattrall's coming back and you talk about bad yes. relationships. It's so meta because Kim Cattrall wants nothing to do with anybody on that series. Yet she filmed something and she filmed her part in a studio by herself on a phone call with Sarah Jessica Parker. But part of her contract was, I won't want any like contact with any of those ladies nor the show's creator. Like, isn't that wild? Yes. 
It is. Yeah. It's like in a trailer a hundred feet away. Um, yeah. Yeah. Raquel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, she did it restraining order style, um, which is fascinating. And so obviously that's going to like inform and color the, the viewing experience for us, like knowing that whatever, whatever goes on between them, knowing that it's not probably not reflective of the reality. And we're going to be watching through like two lenses at once, which I'm kind of excited for. But yeah, I think that they, they probably, their first season was probably a big learning moment, a teachable moment. Like, Oh my God, we don't have to put so much wokeness into it. Like that moment is over. They don't have to panic, woke it up. And which they did, they stuffed every, Every, every kind of 2020ism into that thing. Every yes. trope. Yeah. Like yes. it was it was it was like kind of that last season of Roni in a sense, but they tried yes. to do it with a wink and a nudge. And those two, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they can find that sweet spot of where we are today and that we already love these characters going into the second season of this. So it's always interesting to see what what they can do. And I think deep down, everybody roots for that show. Yeah, I I think so. There were, there was a lot of hate for it online. And oh yeah, I mentioned Samantha Irby before. I'm a big fan of hers and especially listening to so I went deep with um the with and just like that and also listened to the writers room podcast and she's oh, in the writers room. It's very enjoyable and makes you feel extra loyal to the show and kind of understand their choices. So, I'm like, oh I guess that makes sense. I can see why they would have, you know, Miranda talking about the professor's braids and then and then freaking out and messing up and touching the hair. Yeah. Yes. That was a disaster. But you still you start to hear the writers talk about it and you side with them and you're like, okay, they really tried their best. And you can and you reappreciate the moments that were actually funny and well done. And um, also I was aware of her feeling kind of tormented by how mean people were on the internet about the show that they, that oh, so they talk about the reaction that the show got they oh yes. that's what i would really yeah. be fascinated to hear yeah um, it is it is worth a listen like i think the whole thing it's worth a rewatch maybe in in preparation for we've got time rewatch it and then um the season premieres what later this month right June, I don't yeah. know, depending yeah, on when this is airing. Like June 23rd or this will be just airing next week. So it'll, it will be airing the next week. Well, no, actually, I guess, I think it's airing the week that this comes out. Oh, I'm not mistaken. exciting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, then anyone listening will just have to rewatch it in tandem with, which is what you do with Vanderpump Rules. If you never watched it before, you watch the and final you do, season. You do it with a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. It That's is right. completely right. enjoyable to do rewatches. And it's completely enjoyable to read this book. It is called Tough Titties, you guys. The link will be in the show notes. I'm going to put it up on my Instagram stories when this gets released as well. So you'll be able to click the link right there. But I think this is worth your time. This is such a quick, easy, fun, uh, just enjoyable read. But also you get something out of it. And I think that is your sweet spot. What is next for you, Laura? What what is uh, What are you dreaming next? Oh gosh, I am still like working on getting this book out there. I shouldn't say still, but it feels like I've been promoting it forever, like just to get pre-orders out there. And so, yeah, now I have to figure out, everyone's like, you're doing great. Keep going. Now's when you cash in on the momentum. I was like, oh, I had it in my calendar to rest. 
but um, oh well, I guess. No, it's cash in <laughs> on momentum and the calendar right now. And that's yeah. another thing. It's like, you know, that's the thing that sucks. Like you can put a podcast out, you can put all this stuff, but it's like, it's not that it's like the promotion of, and that's like the icky feeling. Like whenever you have to shout yourself out and we were talking about narcissists, not that Bethany or Tom are one, but like the fact that they can shout themselves out, influencers shout themselves out every day. But for me, the thing that's been hard with this is that just getting over that feeling of shouting yourself out too much or it like too wrong or like going, because sometimes I'll be uh, when I read somebody's thing. Does that, I yeah. imagine you kind of feel similar sometimes of having to shout yourself out. Yes. Well, I've learned that it is, first of all, essential. And I like to give it a little reframe that. If you don't, if you don't tell everybody about what you're doing, for instance, you don't tell everybody about this podcast and and talk about it ad nauseum, then you're depriving people who might find it and love it from the joy of finding it and loving it. So it's a disservice to them. And that's, that is how I like to think of it when I'm like, oh God, I'm so like me, 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 me. But I know that there are people and like their podcasts, books, shows, et cetera, that I've been so delighted to discover. And I'm like, thank God I found this. Why didn't anyone tell me about this before? Um, or I think what a tragedy would it would be if I didn't hear about this. And if the person were not willing to promote themselves and willing to promote their work. So I think you have, you have to do it. And it is in service both to you and, and what you do and to the people who are going to be so happy that they found you. So I feel like you got to go full throttle. Like I am so thrilled to discover this podcast and like, I'm a fan for life now. I'm going to be listening to like back episodes. You're so good. So I hope that you're out there promoting it. Or are you just, talking about me right now? I'm I thought you were like giving an example. You. I was like, oh, wow. Was no, like, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. we're no longer <laughs> talking theoretically. Now I'm talking specifically <laughs> like, yeah, about yeah. so bad it's good. You got to tell everybody <laughs> uh, about it. I will. Well, and yeah, be willing to promote yourself. Be willing to be a star. Um, it doesn't make you a narcissist unless you're like, I'm the I'm the only reason the world exists. I'm the Greek chorus of the entire world and it's all going to fall apart <laughs> without me. Well, thank you for letting me discover you and let me shout you out to everybody. Uh, I will now be a fan of yours for life. And because I was like devouring even your website. Guys, she has a whole thing going on. You got to check it out. Um, Laura Belgray, I hope you'll come back when the uh, Roni uh, stuff comes back on just so we can just talk about the insanity that is Roni. But uh, I wish you all the best. And I hope we stay in touch because uh, you, you truly are amazing. And it was just such a delightful read. So thank you so much, Laura. Thank you, Ryan. And we are staying in touch. Um, you might regret that, but it's happening. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Betches.